Hello everyone, you are here listening to the EACCNY Pulse, a podcast platform that showcases transatlantic business insights from our members. My name is Paolo Fratini Melendez and I manage our new initiatives here at the European American Chamber of Commerce in New York. Among them, our series on the future of finance, which features high-level European and American executives from the financial sector as they take a look into the crystal ball. In this episode, we will hear from Marcus Band, the Acting Managing Director of the European Investment Bank's Global Gateway, who, together with Yvonne Bendinger-Holschild, Executive Director of the EACCNY, will provide a deep dive of the EIB Global Gateway. What is its importance? What makes this innovative approach as a funding mechanism for global infrastructure projects? We are proud to have the EIB's support as a platinum member of the European American Chamber of Commerce in New York, and I hope that our listeners will enjoy this episode. I encourage you to rate and subscribe to the EACCNY Pulse on your favorite podcast platform. Enjoy. Welcome to our Future Finance, the EU Global Gateway, Rethinking the Financial and Regional Global Infrastructure Development. The Global Gateway is a new European strategy to boost smart, clean and secure links in digital energy and transportation sectors to strengthen the health, education and research systems across the world. It is designed to help the most pressing global challenges from fighting climate change to improving health systems, boosting competitiveness and, very importantly, security of global supply chains. The Global Gateway will be implemented and executed by the European Investment Bank and at its core is an effort to better coordinate with global partners um, the creation of effective funding mechanisms for projects globally. And the EU is stepping up to deploy major investments in infrastructure development around the world. Between 2021 and 2027, Team Europe is mobilizing roughly 300 billion um, euros of investment to support digital transformation, climate, energy and transportation um, projects. At the helm of this is the European Investment Bank and who is executing um, this initiative. And we are here today with Markus Band. He's the Acting Managing Director of EIB Global. And he will talk to us about the very innovative thinking that went into this new financing mechanism. Thank you for joining us, Markus. Thank you for having me. Of course, great pleasure. Let's step a little bit back. If you could talk a little bit about the strategic priorities of the EIB and how these align with the Global Gateway. Yeah, thanks a lot. Well, as you know, the EIB is the financing arm of the European Union. Uh, we have been founded uh, already at the occasion of the Treaty of Rome in 58 and are owned by the EU member states. Obviously, as being the EU's bank, core focus has been and continues to be on activity inside the EU. But uh, very soon after the inception of the bank, uh, the European Union uh, member states realized that is in their interest to also be active outside the EU. So we have ever since uh, has the EIB been active as as the financing arm of the European Union also outside the EU. For example, last year, uh, we financed 10.8 billion of projects outside the EU, which is uh, still relatively small to what the EIB does inside the EU, but a relatively significant uh, nevertheless. So as we are a um, 100% EU-owned institution, we are very much guided by the global priorities of the Union itself. And if you look at the latest strategy that we had discussed in the, the I won't bother you with any acronyms, in the latest relevant strategic board, uh, there are three pillars. One is the Green Deal, 
that is, of course, in particular the climate uh, climate finance, both mitigation and adaptation, but also environmental sustainability. This pillar is of particular importance to the EIB because we have also in the context in the aftermath of the Paris Agreement established as one of our strategic priorities to become the climate bank of the European Union, which means that uh, we aim at uh, mobilizing one trillion of investments into climate and sustainable investment globally. That means inside the EU and outside the EU. So it's a big driver also. And then everything we do, including uh, what we do outside the EU in EIB Global is 100% Paris aligned, meaning anything we finance has to make sense if we're serious about the Paris Agreement. Now, the second pillar is indeed Global Gateway, and we will talk about that, uh, which is, of course, uh, not mutually inclusive. And I can just talk a bit about uh, the link between Global Gateway and climate. And the third pillar is in inclusive growth in our partner countries. Now, when it comes to Global Gateway, it's a concept that basically entails five sectors and one guiding principles. The five sectors are energy and climate. So there's a link to climate. The energy transition is one of the core uh, things, but also energy connectivity also linked to climate. The second one is transport, the third one digital, the fourth one health, and the fifth one education. And now the guiding principle of this is we try to be an attractive financing partner to our clients that is uh, providing packages that are to, to the mutual benefits of the EU and our partners. And everything we do has to be sustainable from a social, economic, and environmental perspective. So you mentioned in your introduction um, the Global Gateway Initiative and the EIB's relationship. I think it's important to stress that we are a core element of this uh, of this initiative, but we see ourselves playing as one player within the overall team Europe that you mentioned. And that is one of the new, I would think, elements in the strategies to say uh, we have a lot of, we as the European Union, we have a lot of activity, a lot of players supporting development finance, and we try to bring everybody together to, to support strategic projects jointly in a, in a coherent way. That means the Commission, because they set the overall policy framework, have the policy dialogue and make sure that the environment for investments is there. Then, of course, we as, an, as the EU banks play a core role in attaining these uh, 300 billion that you mentioned. Uh, we are very confident that we will, by the EIB alone, support more than uh, 100 billion of these 300 uh, billion. But then, of course, there are important other players that are part of this initiative. So, for example, the French Development Bank, AFD, is a very strong player. KFW is a very strong player. And the whole idea is that Europe, for once, you may add, is trying to act strategically as a coherent partner. Maybe I end here. I don't uh, want to monopolize the conversation. So thanks for the question. Yeah, I mean, but that's the brilliance about the project, in my view, that it's really that everybody is buying in. And we have to all buy in because um, we're building our own future with um, with these funding projects. But it's also um, very innovative um, strategically how you're integrating the partners, the partners on the policy side, on the funding side, and then also the partners that you're bringing in when it comes to executing those projects. Um, let's start with the, with the funding. Can you talk a little bit about the approach that you're taking on actually um, you know, setting aside the funds that you're dedicating to this? Yeah, thanks a lot. Well, one of the benefits that we have is that we, unlike many other development finance institutions, we can finance the entire spectrum of financial products. So we can do senior loans to public counterparts, but also very highly innovative uh, financial products like uh, layered funds, project finance space, uh, and so on, guarantee schemes, capped, uncapped, and so on in the, in the private sector. So we can have the entire entirety of this. And that's also reflected in the way we are 
funding our contribution to this initiative together with the Commission. So on one side, when you look at the public sector, and the public sector does play an important role in, in this initiative, obviously, as well as an enabling sector, uh, we, we will work through mandates that we have uh, with the Commission based on the um, EU budget. Uh, like any other development bank, we leverage our capital by having a guarantee that transfers the risk from our balance sheet to the sovereign, which in our case is the European Union, which allows us to provide financing to our uh, public partners at attractive rates that can support very long-term strategic uh, investments by public counterparts. Uh, and there, I think when it comes to this initiative, it's important to stress that we have at the occasion of the launch of this initiative in December 21, immediately backed up this initiative with a significant increase of the relevant guarantee scheme that we have with the Commission uh, to support public sector investments. So we have additional guarantee space in order to do more public sector investments in support of these 100 billion plus that I mentioned. On the other hand, especially on the private side, we also, of course, rely very much on our capital. So our member states have allocated a significant amount of the capital of the EIB to EIB Global, of which a significant amount is going to, to Global Gateway. So there, there we have basically the funding available, again, new and again, something that came with the launch of this initiative in 21. And I can talk a bit about last year already, which was kind of for us the first year, where, where we have more capital to support equity investment, senior loans, subordinated loans, uh, guarantees, and so on. Now, as I said, this is a team effort, and there will be contributions from other European players, which will work both on EU funding, but also on member states' direct support of, let's say, KFW or AFD or, or players uh, that I just mentioned. So when you have direct funding from the member states, is that supplanting their own initiatives and they're bringing this, these funds together under the umbrella from the global gateway, or is this extra? Well, for us, I mentioned what was extra for us, right? Mm -hmm. I think the new thing when it comes to, to Global Gateway is the fact that we have one umbrella, we have one strategic set of, uh, of projects, of initiatives that we support as a European Union, and then the different players bring in their capacity to support it. And that can be a loan by FMO, for example, and that could be benefiting from uh, Dutch state support or not. But the, the main point is that they bring their Dutch activity at the service of an overall agreed European initiative. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. So what are the operational and financial tools that EIB Global has to implement the Global Gateway? And how is that different from the, how are they different from the past? Um, the good thing that for us, which is nice if you, um, you're leading a development bank, is the fact that we have a very broad spectrum. And that means that, of course, when it comes to financing Global Gateway projects, we will also use a lot of financing products that we always had. I mentioned uh, a classic public sector loan so that you could say, oh, there's nothing new in that. I think what's new is that we make sure that that financing is embedded in an overall strategic dialogue that we have with our partners to ensure that this is something we do in the interest of uh, our partners and the European Union. So the end is the concentration of projects that are of strategic importance to make a change, you know, in, in the attainment of the objectives that we try to reach. When it comes to the other side of the spectrum, we, of course, use some things we have done before, uh, be it, uh, you know, loans to financial intermediaries, be it uh, loans to corporates, be it project finance. Uh, but what has always been uh, in the DNA of the EIB and has been accelerated by um, the FC fund that we had mentioned in our previous 
conversation before this interview is the fact that we are, have a lot of capacity to innovate within this space. So we are constantly innovating new funds like layered funds. We have just now initiated at the end of last year and will launch very soon as a so-called Global Gateway Fund, which is an equity fund which can take risks that are going beyond the risks that a normal equity fund can do by layering our equity with public money. Maybe before I go to the next thing, I think the main point about this innovation is always the same. You try to combine public money, be it public guarantees or be it grants, with capital, right? And you always try to do that in a way that you optimize the risk allocation between public risks and private risks to take out the public risks that the public sector wants to take and allow for crowding in the private capital. And that can be done, for example, through a fund that I just mentioned. The, the other very important one is, and that's of course close to our heart, is uh, green bonds. Uh, we will launch uh, later this year a green bond initiative again, together with the commission, together with other partners, because again, this is a, on one hand, will be capacity building advisory. We'll be working with our partners to advise on how you can launch a green bond. And as you know, the EIB has been the first uh, institution uh, worldwide that issued green bonds back in 2007. So we have a lot of expertise and I can tell you a lot of passion inside the house for green bonds. But then on the other hand, you also need you need an anchor investor that provides the confidence to the market that these green bonds that we help develop and help our partners develop do make sense. And then thereby you have financial instruments that can support this important pillar of energy and climate uh, within the Global Gateway Initiative. And then one last thing I might mention is the work we're currently doing together with the IMF in the context of the Resilience and Sustainable Trust Fund. Another one where you try to innovate by seeing how can you transform the SDRs that were allocated to the IMF and are now um, used for these uh, programs uh, into something that can crowd in the private sector. Maybe I'll leave it there, but there's a lot of excitement about trying to always address the same question. How do I minimize the use of public funding in order to maximize the crowding of private sector investments? Yeah, it's fascinating. I'm a member of the um, Bretton Woods Committee, a working group for sustainable finance. And we had a conversation um, two weeks ago about exactly that. But what I mentioned in that committee, and I remember that from the uh, FC program that, that you just mentioned, the EIB goes further than that. You also, you mentioned capacity building and advisory, because um, one of the things that we discussed at the Bretton Woods Committee was, um, you know, they're not enough fundable projects out there. Mm. And the EIB has, is doing great work and has created a funnel of projects and analyzes them, advises on those projects. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So the advisory activity you do is, is, is twofold. One is to the clients and potential issuers themselves. Because if you if you talk about sustainable finance, of course, there's always the risk of greenwashing. At the same time, there's the risk of uh, stifling any innovation. So you have to find that you have to have a very rigid idea of what is green, what is not green. And this is becoming very quickly, very technical, uh, as, as one realizes. So in that sense, from the EIB side, we're very happy that uh, one of the kind of unique assets that we bring to the financial world is the fact that we have a huge department of people who, unlike me, uh, studied something real, not just finance. We have a huge department of engineers and, and sector specialists. And there you see that very quickly you go into very detailed questions. For example, one question we have now all the time is what is 
what is infrastructure that you use for, let's say, transporting natural gas that you can also use for hydrogen? What would be relevant criteria? How do you make this measurable? How do you make this in a way that is transparent, that's understandable, and that avoids greenwashing? And that goes into very, very technical questions. Same with any any kind of assets uh, that, that you would invest in. And that is, I think, a very important part of the advisory that we can provide to the clients is going to be a very important part of the advisory we can provide when it comes to the green bond initiative that we do together with others but also basically on all products as i said uh, we we want to make sure that every single investment is paris aligned now that's on that side on the other side of course there's the whole regulatory framework where you wonder how do you provide assurances that whatever clients do operate in a framework that does assure capital markets that they can trust what they're being sold and and, and, and initiates uh, this uh, thing. And there again, it's becoming very technical. It's a different type of expertise, uh, but that's kind of the second broad category of advice that we provide. Yeah, just to pick up on this, because you just mentioned the policy. I mean, this is it's an unbelievable initiative for the European Union to come together to help facilitate these global investments. But it also has to be said that this ties in with the European Union's own industrial strategy. So it's a win-win. So we are, we are um, building up infrastructure and digitalization and health systems, um, etc. worldwide. But this is at the same time also supporting the European Union's own policies, own initiatives, I don't know if you want to say a little bit about that. I think it's an interesting point because you always wonder, okay, well, first of all, the one question is how does this link to EU competitiveness that you, you know, exactly. support partners outside the world? How does Global Gateway link to EU competitive ambitions and, and so on? And I think you already gave the answer that fits us because the competitiveness of the EU is certainly not something that is fueled by protectionism, right? The EU has, it's in the very DNA of the EU, to, to form a rules-based markets across different economies. In the first place, it was within the EU, but it's also this whole framework makes us a very trustable and reliable partner when it comes to working with other uh, economies. And I can tell you, as we see it basically every single time, because any projects we finance has to be in line with the EU procurement rules and so on. So we cannot go to a partner and do something that is not also in the interest of our partners. Our partners see that we cannot, even in our own short-term interests, we would not be able to overcome our own rules when it comes to making sure that there's a level playing field and people work uh, together to the mutual benefit. And that is, I think, in the long term, of course, in the interest to have these rules-based and to work with these rules-based. Of course, you're right. This is also a competition of systems or norms or standards, right? So that's why I think it is very important to have a very close cooperation with, in particular, the other like-minded partners like the U.S., uh, like Australia, Canada, and so on, to have it to go beyond an EU only ones because the best chance we have to really make a you know energy transition and and come to a system of digital connectivity that uh, fosters global prosperity is to come to a a joint system of rules standards uh, and so so on i think the eu can bring a lot we have worked a lot on on environmental social and so on uh, norms and standards but of course we should not try to impose eu standards on the world but rather work with our partners to find standards among uh, partners who, who share the same broad value sets. 
Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, and it's also a, a great area for collaboration between Europe and the United States and yep. others for that matter. So last question, when you come to work in the morning, what are you most proud of when it comes to the EU's global gateway and the work that your team is doing? That's a good question. Well, and we had our first year last year, both as EIB Global, which is uh, where we put everything we do outside the EU together under one roof. And I had the pleasure to lead that team and the first year after the launch of the initiative. And we're very happy that we very quickly could turn around uh, our systems and our, let's say, project selection and the way we work on projects that already in the first year we have supported more than 30 billion of investments in, in the core areas that we mentioned, being climate energy, transport, health, digital and education. Well, I think that's if you're a bank, it's about partnering with others in, in support of investments that you both believe in. If you manage to do that and provide uh, an offer that others find attractive, then that's making you proud because this is about partnerships. Very good. Um, the work that you do is just absolutely phenomenal, uh, if I may say so, as a European. I'm speaking here as a European. <laughs> the, um, no, it's really, it's it's like you said, I mean, it's a getting the funding, but then really investing it wisely and finding projects that help not only the EU, but our global partners. I mean, what's not to like? So I think we've reached, unfortunately, the end of our conversation, but I want to thank you very much for sitting down with us and explaining what the EIB is doing and innovative ways for global finance and especially for, for regional development, SDGs, ESG, this all goes under this umbrella. So thank you very much for taking the time to talk with us. Thank you very much for your interest. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the EACCNY Pulse. Please don't forget to rate and review this podcast episode And be sure to subscribe to stay up to date on transatlantic business insights. For more information about the European American Chamber of Commerce and how to join, please reach out to membership at eacny.com. We look forward to hearing from you.